Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural, and you're about to hear my interview that I did with Reverend Sean Whittington. He has a show called A Vegas Supernatural, and you can catch it every week uh, on Mondays, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and this is a show that was uh, airing on November 26th, and the reason why I say that is, of course, when they give out the phone numbers for Collins. Obviously, this has uh, already been uh, aired, so doesn't make sense, but I did want to let you guys hear it, uh, and I'm going to have a link to the website for uh, Reverend Sean, or the Rev, as he calls himself, at uh, kcorradio.com. So please enjoy it. It was I've had Sean uh, on an interview before, which is called Siege Against Satan. I hope you guys catch it. But this is where he returned to favor, and he's a wonderful host. And this is my interview with him. The battle lines have been drawn, and somewhere in between, we stand. Welcome to Vegas Supernatural. There's a war raging between good and evil. So grab your holy water, crucifix, and Bible. It's time to join the battle. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the gates of hell with your tour guide as well as your host, Reverend Sean Whittington. Reverend Sean Whittington. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear to own his cause? or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer, though they die. They see the triumph from afar by faith's discerning eye. When that illustrious day shall rise and all thy armies shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be thine. Isaac Watts, 1721. I hope everyone had a very happy Thanksgiving I sure did. Welcome, brothers and sisters. This is Vegas Supernatural. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. This is Reverend Sean Whittington, the Rev. And please keep these other teams in your prayers tonight. Agape Christian University, the American Association of Exorcists, the American Society of Exorcists, the Worldwide Bible College and Theological Seminary, and of course, ghostbegone.biz, the ministry. Tonight, brothers and sisters, we wrap up Supernatural November to Remember. I decided to reach out to a very special person to help the Rev do just that. In fact, she's way overqualified for the task at hand, and I'm really blessed to have her for the next two hours. She's an absolute legend in the paranormal community, and in her neck of the woods, they refer to her as the queen of the supernatural. But she's not scary at all. You're going to love her. Critically acclaimed author, writer, producer, elite para hunter. 
creator of Miami Ghost Chronicles, master hypnotist, television, radio, and podcast personality, the one and only Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Marlene, how are you? Great, especially after that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I meant it's from the heart. I meant every word of it. And who, you know, what I love about this job is I get people like you on that have such phenomenal resumes. I don't really have a phenomenal resume. I'm just me. You know, I'm the Rev. But uh, you wear so many different hats and you wear them well. Um, I've been advertising, of course, you being on the show uh, tonight all week long, and a lot of your fans have been sending me private messages, ask her this, ask her that, oh, we're so excited. And I'm just, you know, I'm proud to know you. I'm I'm proud to call you a friend. Uh, I was on your show uh, way back once upon a time, I want to say not too long ago, a couple, three months, but I had just such a wonderful time. I've really been looking forward to having you on tonight. So thank you so much for joining me. On the contrary, my pleasure. Did you um, did you have a happy Thanksgiving? Yes, I did. I had a great Thanksgiving, of course, with my kids. But it's one of those things, and I think as your kids sometimes grow older, you know, we're going to have meals so that then you can go to the other set of uh, grandparents or parents or whatever the case might be. So, yeah, I had a very good Thanksgiving. Well, good for you. I did, too. It was nice and quiet. I had a, a sister come in town unexpectedly uh, from out of town, and I uh, hadn't seen her in a long time, so we got together at my brother's house and and had a little Thanksgiving get-together, so that was really nice. But I have to ask you, I know some of your background mm-hmm. is Cuban. Yes. So, was it stric- strictly traditional fare, or did you have a little Cuban flair in there? Well, Um, You know, I've I've never been to Cuba, but my family was very traditionally Cuban. Um, And I want to say that because of the times I grew up, you know, it's like all groups you dilute as time goes by. But I grew up very traditionally. Uh, My grandmother, you know, took care of me till I started school and she I had to speak Spanish to her. So, uh, of course, I'm, you know, fully bilingual and I had all the traditions uh, that uh, Hispanics have, especially Cubans, as far as, you know, the 15, the quinceañera, uh, all those things absolutely had all of that. That is so cool. I have to be honest with you. I'm a little jealous that you actually, my mother was Brazilian, mm-hmm. and everybody in the family learned how to speak Portuguese but me. I don't know why, if it was I was just a stubborn kid and didn't want to learn it, or if she didn't push hard enough, but I've always regretted that, and I'm thinking about, you know, one of these days, someone just the other day said, you know, you, you drive a lot to work. Get one of those uh, CDs that you could put in your car, like um, Rosetta Stone or what have you, learn how right. to speak Portuguese, and listen while you drive, and you'd be surprised how quickly you pick it up, especially since she was your mother, and you, you know, whether you realize it or not, you retained a lot of it, even yes. though you don't think you did, and it'll come easy. So I'm going to give that a shot, but, um, and I also have that in common with you. I'm the only one in the family who had never gone back to visit where she was from. Uh, so I also regret that too. So do you have that? That's on my probably near the very top of the must do things before I, I go to heaven is to go and visit Brazil. Do you feel the same about Cuba? Yes, I do. Uh, luckily though, you know, one of the things that was that all my family, uh, near and extended, eventually everybody, you know, uh, 
came over to the United States. So one of the draws that sometimes people would go back to Cuba was because they had very close family members that were still in Cuba. So this was their only way of seeing them, especially if you had an elderly parent. But luckily, all my family was over here, especially my close family. And I haven't gone, but yes, at one point I'm hoping to go back and and revisit because I do still have some of my uh, father's family members out where they live, but they live like in the countryside. They don't live in like Havana. So I'm hoping mm. eventually to go out there and see them. They have my pictures, you know, ever since I was a little yeah. kid, my mom would send them <laughs> off and they would have my, you know, like my pictures in their living room. So it's like a long distance bond kind of thing. You have to go. You yes, know, I you do. do. I do. Um, yeah, I bet you didn't know that the first Thanksgiving, you're in Florida, correct? Yes. The first, people, a lot of people don't know this, 50 years before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, the first Thanksgiving was actually celebrated in Florida, and it was an actual Catholic mass, and they had the indigenous there uh, of the time, and they had the Spanish soldiers and whoever else was in that area at the time, but um, a lot of people don't know that. Were you aware of that? No, I wasn't. Are we talking in the area of St. Augustine? You know, I'm not absolutely sure. Okay. Possibly, wherever, um, wh whatever area down there was probably settled first. I want to um, say, and I'm not sure this might be exactly what you're talking about, but I know because I visited St. Augustine a couple of times, and I thought they have this huge crucifix, this cross, and I believe it was some type of mass, and maybe that's what you're, I'm not sure, but that's the first thing that comes to mind whenever I think of, you know, uh, pre, you know, the landing of the pilgrims here in Florida is around St. Augustine. So I guess yeah, I need to brush up on my history, but <laughs> I didn't know that though. I did not know that as far as the Thanksgiving thing. Well, I have a confession to make. I didn't either. <laughs> until I, <laughs> I just stumbled upon it a few days ago and thought it was really, really interesting because I was seeing people getting upset at other people on, on the internet for posting pictures like traditional Thanksgiving pictures where they show mm -hmm. the Indians eating with the pilgrims and stuff. Right. People get upset at so many weird things nowadays. And I have, yes. you know, I have native American friends. I didn't reach out to them and say, what is upsetting about that? I guess I could see why, but you know, it's even, it, it doesn't even matter if it's a holiday now. Every, there's so much anger around now. Oh, I just absolutely, don't absolutely. And I, I don't understand it because when I was growing up, you know, that that you learn about Thanksgiving. Basically, the message was that the natives, the the the, the Native Americans there, saved the pilgrims from starving, uh, and they all shared a meal together. And thank God, I I just don't see what's wrong with that. Yeah. Oh well. Well, there's no there's no hatred here. I have all love for you. Yes. And. Um, I, I regret that there also seems to be so much drama in the paranormal community now. I, I try to just avoid it. Yes. Even if someone lashes out at me and attacks me, I just, I'm really working hard on being really good at turning the other cheek and just not, uh, I just don't even respond. I just, right. I just diffuse it by not responding and I move on. And um, I wish people would start um, working on that a little bit more, sure. you know. Tolerance goes a long way. Are you, you're in the paranormal community. Yes. You're a legend down there. I know you probably thought that was funny when I said that, but <laughs> everybody down there knows you. And I made up the queen of the supernatural. Uh, you kind of are, you know, everybody, I mean, you've got so much going on. Are you a religious person? I am. And I'm not. How's that? I mean, I grew up Catholic. I went through 12 years of Catholic school and high school. 
So I got Catholic. My family was not, I want to say, one of these deeply, deeply, deeply Catholic, but it was very traditional. Like I said, I went through 12 years of Catholic religion. And, you know, I went through, as I grew up, I mean, I when I grew up, this was you couldn't go into church without a head covering a beanie and you sweated bullets if you forgot your beanie. So when I was doing that, it was like very much stricter than it is now. And then as I grew up, there were certain things that I was like, I'm not in agree with, agreement with this because how can I call myself totally Catholic if I'm not on board? Because I, I, I hate that term that they use, cafeteria Catholic. To me, is if you're not going to do everything that's required, then don't call yourself that. So I consider myself deeply spiritual, but not, I, I kind of feel hypocritical, if that's the right word, in calling myself yeah. Catholic, because if I'm not going to buy into the whole enchilada, I'm not going to wear that tag. I totally understand. understand well said. I, um, I, I struggle with that, too. You know, I was baptized Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was devoutly Catholic, but at the same time, very spiritual. Right. So there was um, a con- kind of a, well, she wore the both hats well, you know, uh, dad, a very spiritual person also, but he didn't, uh, it was when he realized he didn't have a whole lot of time left, he was finally baptized, but he was born and raised uh, on an Indian reservation in Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. he, uh, very spiritual and, you know, the Whittington side of the family, there were like, the first ones that arrived there were like very Quakerish. They helped settle the land, even though there was already indigenous there, and they brought religion to the indigenous and taught them um, uh, taught them how to read and write and things of that of that nature. So um, I totally understand where you're coming from. You've got to you're going to have a great time. I have a feeling if when you do get back to Cuba, because I have a lot of friends from there on just to throw uh one of my social media um things out there facebook from cuba paranormal people it's cuba is a very haunted place yes it is it is and uh you know and i'm going to dive into it really quick because you know that there's a flip side to uh spiritual beliefs in cuba because there is the what they call santeria and you know which is the incorporation of something similar to voodoo and candomblé from from Brazil, which was uh, what they call a nature religion brought over by the slaves that came, you know, throughout the Caribbean and in the United States, and they integrated it with Catholicism. And uh, in in Cuba, it's known as Santeria, and they have a darker version, which is Palomayombe, which is dark, dark magic. So even though Cuba has historically always been known as a very Catholic country it did have that uh what at not now but back then like an underground religious belief in in other types of supernatural beings Hmm. yeah very yeah it's you're gonna just you may not want to come home (laughs) well it's it's um it's one of those things i want to say that uh, my family never practiced it um, and but it, you were aware of it when I was growing up. It was much more underground. Now in Miami, you go to just about a lot of strip shopping centers, and you're gonna find what they call a botanica, which is like a. I want to say it's not a new age store, but you go in there and you find all the different 
things that have to do with either Santeria or if you want to get a tarot reading, much more open nowadays than it used to be. Yeah. You know, I've heard that, but it's, it's, I'm going to have to say, you know, uh, I'm going to add that to the list. Something draws me to Cuba and everybody, I've, I can't think of one Cuban person that I've met that I almost just didn't fall in love with because they're just such friendly people. Uh, and I'm sure every every race has their bad and good, but I have had no bad experiences. So I think I'm going to probably add that to the list of places to visit because it just seems like just such a beautiful place. It's like uh, my boss, who I've worked for forever, it seems like, um, is from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And so it's like uh, those those types of places just really uh, really speak out to me, and and maybe it's because of my mother, sure. um, maybe not. I'm not sure, but I'm looking forward to that. You have to tell me though, also where you're at, and I don't know if this had anything to do with you doing what you do now, but where you live also very a lot of people don't realize it's very haunted. A lot of ghost stories, a lot of paranormal history and hauntings associated with all of Florida. Florida. You got to, I, I've been waiting for this, you've got to give me, lay a really good Florida, Miami, what have you, ghost story on us. Okay, and I'm and I'm trying, and, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to segue a little bit so that people understand sometimes, because, you know, when you think of the traditional ghost story haunted house, you always think something happened in that particular house or, you know, the typical fodder for maybe an act of a residual haunting, which is a suicide, tragic death, et cetera, et cetera. But here in Miami, they do, and I've run across this, this is why I'm bringing it up, what they call, like I said, uh, Maybe not that black magic, but Santeria, they do a lot of crossroads magic, okay? Mm-hmm. And what happens is that sometimes, and I've run across this, that's why I'm saying this, on investigations where what's done will seep into the, let's say if you have a corner uh, property, okay? I have had investigations and hauntings that crop up from something that really did not originate there, but had to do with crossroads magic that was done right next to it hey. okay and and the reason why i bring this up is you know usually sometimes if you're able to and when you let's say you go into an investigation or a haunting you're thinking okay did something happen here did somebody get killed etc cetera, etc cetera. and you come up with a blank until you start talking and you realize maybe what the source was and i'm going to give you this is a recent example of one this was a property that was out a little bit in southwest miami-dade county which is historically more of an agricultural area and but what i mean by this is people out there would purchase maybe an acre of land uh sometimes the roads weren't totally paved and why the reason why i bring this up is that sometimes when they're disposing of crossroads magic or ritual items they will go to these very remote areas to do it okay mm. now and not all the time but some some of the reasons why people dump stuff at crossroads is so that whatever it is which is usually not good will not follow anybody home in other words it will not be able to return to the person that was removed from Hmm, so one time i had an investigation where the the property was not really that old i want to say maybe was built in late 80s and this was like the second 
um, this was the second family that lived there. And what happened was they had two teenage daughters. Throughout the time later on, we found out that they had been experiencing several supernatural events. But I think where it really took off was when the younger of the two teenage girls started acting out. She was, I don't want to say she was possessed, but she looked like she might have been oppressed. And um, when we went in there, uh, she would, when I went in there, because we had had a team go in there before, when I went in there, she refused to come out of the room and talk to me and meet with me. She had punched holes in doors. And by the way, this was a teenage girl, a regular, yeah. like, body-wise. I'm not talking a man or a big guy, a big teenage guy. This was a slim teenage girl had been able to make holes in the doors. Her mom had gotten attacked while she was in bed. Um, her mom had even one time had left for the night to a friend's house and she got attacked there. Whatever it was even followed her mom home. And at that time, the ones that were living there was the mom with the two girls. The older sister who's 19, she had had to move out. I think she had moved in with a grandparent uh, because she realized she had, exp had experiences, but somehow or other she realized, I need to get out of here. And that's exactly what she did by the time she was there. It was only the teenage girl and the mom. And they had a family friend that was helping them out. And later on, we found out that the prior owners uh, had been a mom and a son who was apparently he had some type of severe mental illness. I want to say it was schizophrenia or something like that. <clears throat> and when they were trying to leave the house and sell it, he refused to leave. He says he wanted to stay there. He wanted to stay there. And later on, we found out that the problem originated from Crossroads Magic that had been left right at the corner of where the property lines were. Um, there was a severe haunting going on. And we, I mean, we ended up doing a blessing for the property and for the home. Uh, and I couldn't do anything face-to-face -face with the young lady because she refused to come out, which to me is a very good sign that there's something, and I, I don't want to be overdramatic, but malevolent going yeah. on yeah. Uh, when they refuse to come out and talk to you and meet with you. Uh, and I, I walked the grounds. There was even things I want to say in, in, in the yard and in, in, the, in, the, in the surrounding property. And eventually, uh, after we did the blessing, and we smudged down the house, and it was the blessing, and we worked with what their religious beliefs were, which, which was loosely Catholic. Uh, later on, we got a, an email that things had calmed down. They had been able to get the young lady some help because before she was not participating at all. And uh, it, it was starting to look very, very good. I've, obviously, we said, you know, if you need any more help, you know, recontact us. I'll be more than happy to help. Uh, and we never heard from them again. So I'm expecting that it turned out well, but there was a lot of phenomena going on there mm -hmm. that I think predated even that family being there. That's very interesting. Yeah. You don't think they, uh, a gut feeling on any of them doing something that brought that in, or do you think it was the practicing of something they shouldn't have done? Well, then we get into the nitty gritty, which is, the mom, later on, she had originally moved in there with the father of the two girls, and he had abandoned them. Turns out she suffered from depression, 
And I make mention of this because sometimes I want to say that some of these properties pull in the most, they target certain families. Okay. Here we had a property that they had no way of knowing because by the way, when they bought that house, it was vacant that had somebody with severe mental illness. It draws in a family where the main caretaker is a mom and she's, you know, she suffered from severe depression. You know what uh, I'm going to do real quick? I hate to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. Sure. You, you've, uh, you've accomplished getting me on the edge of my seat, and I've already got goosebumps. I want to finish this story when we get back from the first break. I don't want to just abruptly cut you off. Absolutely. Hold that thought. Brothers and sisters, this is the quick three-minute break. We'll be right back with Marlene Pardo. Have you had a supernatural encounter? Keep away. Are you a spiritual warrior? Or do you have questions or comments for the host or guests? Hey, wait a minute. Check this out. Well, what are you waiting for? Call the KCOR Digital Radio Network hotline number at 702-425-9230. Tweet your comments anytime to KCOR Radio using hashtag KCOR. Join the conversation live and share your thoughts on the show in our live chat room at www.kcrradio.com. Oh man, I can't believe I'm hearing this. And now back to KCOR's own ordained spiritual warfare minister and the host of Vegas Supernatural, Vegas Supernatural, Supernatural, Supernatural. Reverend Sean Whittington. Sean Whittington. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. My special guest tonight, Marlene Pardo. Okay, Marlene, go ahead, continue. Well, when, when you were asking me about Crossroads Magic, what I meant was um, in different, you know, once upon a time, they would hang people or put the gallows sometimes on Crossroads. Uh, and a lot of people think, well, were they doing that, what, so that everybody would see it? A lot of times it was meant that, you know, especially when they would leave the bodies hanging there or they would leave people on the gibbet, it was, or if they would bury them there or suicides, it was because there was fear of, the ghost of this person following anybody back home. And if it was at a four-way or a crossroads, it would get confused and not be able to follow anybody home. Or that was that was the fear. And this works along the same ways where when you dispose of, let's face it, it's negative. It's not, it's not positive. Uh, some of these ritual items, in some cases, if they've done any animal sacrifice or whatever it is that they're doing, they will leave it there at a crossroads with the hope that... The same thing. It's not going to follow me home. I'm disposing of it. And then what happens is sometimes that whatever's left there uh, basically bleeds into the um, into the property. And in this case, th- that property was there. And like I said, um, I have a feeling that, I, that it was not coincidental that a family... Basically, it brought in somebody that was very vulnerable, okay? And when you have that Mm -hmm. negativity that comes into a property and into a house, I've seen that happen where it's like, God, the last person that should have moved here was this family, and they're there. Yeah. And I've seen that happen on more than one occasion where it's, oh, I want to say, I know, like a manipulation that takes place um, as to what's going on there, which is... You know, again, it you, in a way, it's a little bit scary because you do see some type of intelligence behind it, dark intelligence. Uh, and I want to, my experience, whenever you get these type of entities or whether they're human or non-human, 
they want to have the human interaction basically in an effort to torment the people that are there and this is what they feed off of and uh sometimes it's a, it's it's a long range plan this is contrary to what you see sometimes in the movies this doesn't happen overnight sometimes it's like a a process but always with the aim of causing human agony torment and this is what a lot of these entities feed off of and that's why they draw in vulnerable people or families to certain um to certain locations and that's something to be aware of sometimes especially when you're thinking of purchasing a new home and um i was aware of this also and if you that's a sh- in a way that story i want to say had a good ending because we didn't get recontacted by the family mm-hmm. but you know a part of my uh hypnosis was i did alternative hypnosis which was what they call spirit attachment and i'm sure you're familiar with that you know as yeah. far as what happens when people uh are either influenced uh you know oppression you know, possession of course obsession all those things different layers of being attacked by a negative spirit and i used to do that as part of my hypnosis practice and i had a lot of people that initially came to me i'm going to give you an example of one young man initially he came to me because he couldn't stop smoking by the way all outward appearance was this young man was very successful he was working uh in something he was doing great i helped him stop smoking and then one day he calls me back up and obviously i think that this happened well it happened to me more than once where when you gain somebody's trust they come back and they disclose other things to you and he mm-hmm. told me marlene i need your help with something i said what's going on and he says look i've had these experiences for quite some years by the way he was in his 20s when he came to see me where i will go out with my friends and we're just having a good time and i'll have a couple of drinks and i black out and i do things that i for the life of me cannot remember doing he says i've run across highways i've destroyed things i mean this is like i say this is not somebody that went to the corner and talked to himself and it was like oh, okay yeah. he's just you know he was doing extraordinarily dangerous things and he told me i can't remember doing these things i don't know what's going on with me all right i said okay let's see let's see what we got make a long story short because i mean it's a process when you do hypnosis and basically what he had a non-human attachment okay and i'm not really sure at what point he picked it up i want to say maybe he did have a little bit of drama going on when he was growing up when his mom got divorced and remarried and there was something going on but i really didn't know what the point of entry was uh i want to say that part of the attraction was that to derail him was because he was working in the area of stopping human trafficking. Okay? Hmm. And I want to say that that's in a way why he got also more of a bullseye on him as far as being targeted. Uh and I I want to say that I have had I have seen somebody transform themselves. I, and I saw this young man transform himself when I got finally to talk to confront what was there in him. Okay? And this thing was hissing at me. in my office. <laughs> and it was really it's it's usually uh I had another um hypnotist hypnotist that would work with me. And um this one day she had not been able to come in and I had since I already knew him from before like I said I had worked with him. I said come on over. 
And so I was there by myself. And contrary to what we see sometimes in the movies and in programs, it's astonishing how this person will change before your eyes. Uh, And this was basically what was going on with him as far as an attachment. And I want to say it was definitely non-human. And it was... And, and, and it's very unusual because outside of when he drank something, and, and this was the, also the extraordinary thing. He, was, he didn't have an alcohol problem, okay? And one of my areas of, of, uh, of study has been addictions. He could go the whole, he wasn't drinking every day, but this would happen if he went out and he had a couple of drinks, let's say on a weekend with his friends. His friends were starting to get scared of going out with him because they were like, man, we don't know what you're going to do next you know they were starting to freak out going out with him and um basically this thing claimed him when i was talking to it i had him under hypnosis It, it claimed him and basically i i had it go into i i asked for angelic help and there's and by this i'm glossing over the method of doing this okay um, I asked for angelic help because, of course, you, when, you can, when you come across this type of non-human entity, whether you want to call it a demon, even though I believe that there's other, other types of non-human uh, entities that will do this attachment, um, it doesn't want to go. It doesn't want to go. It'll, it, what I do, it, what I call is it will do the, uh, the I'm going to scare you, I'm going to hiss at you and do all this breathing yeah. and putting my body in contortion and all that, which I saw. And I'm not going to tell you, I, I had to like, okay, Marlene, this, this, you cannot back down from this. And um, basically, I, there's, there's a method that sometimes I don't want to say it's exorcism because per se it's not exorcism. Okay. And I want to say that at this point, looking back, I want to say it was low level. It was a low level demon or a low level entity. And by this, I mean that I don't think it was that highly intelligent, very malevolent but not highly intelligent. And usually what you can do is when you ask angels to come in, you will ask this entity to start seeing light in of themselves because they will always, they are of the lie of what's not true. Okay. And you tell them, do you see that pearl of light inside of you? And they'll say, no, no, no. Basically you expand that light. And it's, again, a process. I'm just doing the, the, the fast track on it until mm-hmm. this, per, you know, and if that entity, for whatever reason, doesn't see the light and go with the angels into the light, you ask angels to take this entity into a separate room, a separate place, whether it's maybe interdimensionally or whatever the case might be, where, but away from this person. They, you know, you don't throw your hands up and go, oops, you don't want to leave. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no. Yeah. They're going. You're going into the light with the angels. If we don't get you there, but you're going out of here. You're getting out. Okay. And um, that's exactly what we did. That is exactly what we did. And um, he stayed in touch with me. As a matter of fact, I worked with his mom on, uh, on some other issues and things like that. And he, after that, that was the end of it. I, it it's one of those things where you're thinking, okay, did this really work? And it did because 
uh, we did not. He, I mean, I stayed in touch with him for like two or three years afterwards. And that was the end of those episodes when, uh, when he would have something to drink. That was the end of it. And like I said, that was, uh, and, and I've, I've had other situations similar to that where I've had people come in for attachments and sometimes they're human entities and sometimes they're non-human entities. And, uh, and I don't know if you've run across this, Sean, yourself, where uh, sometimes you'll have somebody, depending on their lifestyle, there's, there's a lot of factors where they will have several attachments. They'll have some human and they'll have some non-human. And when you go in there, they push like the humans out, like the decoys. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, the human's gone. And yeah. the non-human entity will still be there. And they kind of like hide out. And they push the human ones outwards where sometimes it's attachment from loved ones or something somebody picked up by doing something stupid at a cemetery. And you still got a non-human somewhere in there. And they're, they've got the intelligence to like uh, let whoever is working with that person think that it's a done deal when it's not. Well, what I find so interesting here, I still have the goosebumps. I'll tell you why. You and I, uh, without either one of us knowing us uh, knowing this i think we're uh in a little bit of a psychic connection mm-hmm. here because two of the things i wanted to discuss with you you've already covered but not completely but the topics were right there and you used exact words i was going to use in these questions which is uh, pretty incredible the first is crossroads yes and i had a case i before today i hadn't heard that term but other one other time, and a woman had called us in because she had claimed that she had captured demons in her luggage. And there Sharon and I are staring at these luggage that she's got zipped up, padlocked, ropes around them, chains around them. But they're like leather. They look like leather body bags. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could, they're real luggage. I mean, they weren't body bags. They just looked that way. And she's telling us, I have demons in these in these bags uh-huh. and we thought the woman was crazy for sure but then sharon and i witnessed these bags moving around on their own like something was inside wiggling around <sighs> like either like a, a child or an animal of some sort and that's what we thought at first okay but when i told the woman well let's just open them up and see what's in there and i'll deal with it then and she uh she uh, was about she was ready to keep me from doing that violently if she had to, because she said, no, you have to take these (laughs) to the crossroads. And I didn't understand what she meant. She goes, if you take, I'm going to, I want you to take the the luggage with you, but you keep it zipped up. um, And you find some other way to dispose of them. Because if you just throw them in the trash and somebody finds them and opens them up, the demons in the luggage will come back to me or even worse, go after you. Yes. But you need to find a crossroads. And I just didn't, she didn't elaborate what she really meant about crossroads. Long story short, I got some friends who were in the clergy mm-hmm. and this was in the early, early stages of me on the road to becoming ordained. So I needed help. Okay. Uh, I still need a lot of help. Hey, but, don't um, we all? But it's like, uh... <laughs> I just got a circle of these clergy around there to lay hands on this uh, luggage and perform exorcism, for lack of a better term, 
on this woman's luggage in the middle of a parking lot. Okay. But I didn't want to throw the luggage away because I knew, in addition to what she claimed was in the luggage, I knew everything this woman owned was in this luggage, and I didn't want to throw it out and leave her with nothing. She thought she was never going to see me again. But after we performed the exorcism on the luggage, and we all thoroughly felt the luggage was clean, Mm -hmm. uh, you should have saw the look on our face when we showed back up at the house with all our stuff because, you know, she had nothing. And so she was so happy. And I brought these clergy people with me to help convince her, now it's okay, you can undo the padlocks, take the ropes off. And we ended up staying long enough to watch her do that and to see inside because there was still that little bit right. of doubt that we wanted to see what if there was something other in there that we needed to know if there was, you know, an actual animal in there or something. Right, right. Like, man, did we, like, oh, okay. exercise a, a squirrel? <laughs> and I know exactly yeah. what you mean. You know, she stuck somebody's cat or dog. In yeah, just, exactly. They've already died, but they're lying in the luggage. Yeah. So I, I never forgot that word crossroad. It just hit me like a bolt of lightning when you when you said that. And another. So now I'm gonna know. I don't. I absolutely don't know of any. Well, every intersection is a crossroad, but I can't. You know, uh, in the city here, I can't. Usually it's going to be a four-way stop sign. In some cases, it's a three-way stop sign. You know, like a three-way, you know, when you have like a a street dead end where another street is and you got to either take a left or a right, which is a three-way. The idea behind it is that whatever you're going to drop off there will will have so many ways to leave that it will not know how to follow you back home. Yeah. You know what? We're on the outskirts of the Vegas Valley here, and there's a lot of open desert. Okay. Mm. I think I'm when, you know, Sharon and I go out to just to kind of drive around and sightsee and just Mm -hmm. to to get out, get some sun and some fresh air. I'm going to start looking for some of these because I'm sure I can probably find some deserted desert roads out there that maybe have already been visited by uh, God knows who and buried god knows what out there already but uh, i'm gonna start looking for those because it's a very interesting uh, thought process to that whole thing and it it just it resonates believability to me that that you know if something you can confuse it you're right these things aren't very intelligent mm-hmm. they don't they're not very street smart right and um but you got to be careful and the other thing that jumped out at me was I was going to talk to you about being a master hypnotist. Mm-hmm. You're probably the third one that I've met in the many years I've been doing this that integrates that with the paranormal research. Right. Not very many of them do. Now, in my training, I've always wondered what it would be like to bring a master hypnotist with me to a case that I was thoroughly convinced someone in the home is possessed yes and then put them under hypnotism well i have a lot of colleagues that have been doing this way longer than me that tell me the reason why they don't like to do that is because during an exorcism even if the demon has manifested itself the person that's being that is possessed they, they are still aware of what's going on they're aware yes, that they the are. demon has now manifested itself and it's pretty much taking over but you can continue to address 
that person that's being that's in there and you can say we need your help to fight from the inside out you need to start praying you need to start asking god to intervene in your life right now and you need to start resisting this thing and helping us fight it and they they believe that if the person is hypnotized there you essentially you put them to sleep so now they're totally not aware of what's going on and it's just now all of the invading unclean spirit that you're dealing with and that makes them even stronger which is kind of scary i don't i don't know but i tell you that is something that on a more than one occasions i've thought about doing was bringing someone in and uh hypnotizing this person that uh, i really believed was um uh being actually manipulating me, telling me what I wanted to hear, trying to, like you said earlier, hide in this person and keeping the person from speaking the truth. Like if the, if I ask a question and the demon answered something, but it wasn't acting like a demon, it was behaving like the person, right? It was trying to fool me, but it wasn't allowing the real person in there to speak and answer me. So there was a lot of deception and lying going on. And I thought, what better way um, to, uh, when that's going on, and I think that that's going on, but to hypnotize. So that would be, um, I'm going to add that to the list. I could see you and I working at care. I'd love to see that. And well, let me explain two things. First thing, there's, there's a big misconception about hypnosis, Sean, that a lot of people think that you fall asleep. You don't. All you are is super relaxed, but super aware. Okay. In other words, you, like you said, you hear everything, you're aware of what's going on. And what hypnosis does is it brings down these filters that usually sometimes we have around us. Okay. And when you bring down these filters, sometimes this is also what helps you to gain clarity or to see. And there's a certain method of when you have an attachment, either in your aura, because as you know, there's different levels of, you know, there's influence, there's oppression, obsession, possession, you know, depends on how close we are within what's happening with that person. Um, for example, one time I had a man who came in for a spiritual attachment and I have to laugh because it's along those misconceptions and um, he was dropped off by a taxi. And he was on crutches and I saw the taxi driver come up to the door of my office and I was thinking, wow, what, what, why is this taxi driver here? Basically, he was paying the guy to stay with him while I did this with him. And I told wow. him, look, <laughs> that's how scary he was. The, about the hypnosis part, okay, which is there's, a, there is, you don't lose, how, what can I say? You, you don't lose consciousness. You don't wake up and go, huh? No, you're very aware. And as to the idea of what you do when you were suggesting, well, what do we do? And I think it would have to do with at what level is this person being influenced? If we're talking out and out, obsession, possession, I think you have to be really careful with the hypnosis thing. If we've got somebody that's being influenced, absolutely, because I've done it before. I did it one time before uh, when I was out on an investigation. It's, it's, you know what? And the earlier, the thing you talked about, the, the guy going out and having these issues when he drinks. Mm-hmm. I know everybody out there is going to, you know, I try not to get on my soapbox and get my preach on. That's not my style. 
I don't drink anymore, but I spent many, many, many years a raging alcoholic and a drug addict. And I, you know, doing what I do sobered me up because I really actually thought, you know what? The first thing people always asked me was, well, well, when you saw that and you experienced that, had you been drinking or had you been, were you on drugs? Okay. Two, I was thought, you know, for my own sanity, I'm seeing things that are just so crazy. I want to make sure I'm truly experiencing what I'm experiencing and not crazy. So, you know, it was, I'm telling you, it was after many, many years of being a drug addict and an alcoholic, it, all it took was me getting on my hands and knees and begging God to intervene in my life and tell and get me to stop doing drugs and, and drinking. And it was, I'm telling you, it was overnight. Right. So anybody out there listening to me that needs help, uh, you know, whatever God it is you pray to, if you're sincere enough and that's what you need help with, you just got to get on your knees and ask for it and be sincere about it and you'll get the help. But on that thought, what I'm going to do, we're getting ready to go into um, the long six-minute break. Brothers and sisters, this is a good chance for you to go out and um, check on dinner, check on the dog, hit the restroom, grab something cold to drink. But when we come back, we're going to continue on. I've got a couple more segments to go with the very interesting Marlene Pardo, uh, and we will be right back after these messages. have been drawn and somewhere in between we stand welcome to vegas supernatural there's a war raging between good and evil so grab your holy water crucifix and bible it's time to join the battle welcome 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 to the gates of hell with your tour guide as well as your host Reverend Sean Whittington Reverend Sean Whittington Welcome back brothers and sisters my very special guest tonight Marlene Pardo Stories of the Supernatural and Miami Ghost Chronicles Okay Marlene um yeah I'm just my head is like a tornado of all these things I want to ask you right now because of the topic that we're we're covering, and I find myself you know uh, up to my neck in it. Mm-hmm. The hypnotism part, yeah, is a uh, is is a very scary thing. And what I also find interesting in listening to your stories, something else jumped out at me. You know, these things, you're right. These things can lay, they can already be at a place and they can be laying dormant mm-hmm. for many, many years. And that's just like, it, they're just waiting for the perfect storm. Yes. Um, jump on board. And I, and everything that you said is everything I experience. Their targets usually range from the very weak or the ill. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm also including, um, mental illnesses and that's one of the questions I ask people all the time Um, have you ever been um, clinically diagnosed Mm -hmm. with a mental illness and are you under the care of a doctor and taking medications for that and many times people tell me yes 
Well, I'm obligated to say, well, I'm going to advise you to continue. Yes. Uh, you know, seeing your doctor and taking your meds. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. I still want to talk to you about what you feel you're experiencing and all that. And the sad thing is, is that many people in our field at that point walk away, but they could be, they're a target and they can be, a, they can be being attacked simply because they have the mental illness. Sure. Absolutely. And so you're caught between a rock and a hard spot and it's really hard to know how to proceed from there because if anything goes south um you're left holding the bag you're left oh, yeah. to hang out to dry yes because no you're not going to get any support from the medical community or the authorities mm -mm. so it's it's um your hands are kind of tied it, it's really sad but um yeah a lot of people don't and and the well the other target i would have to say we have to throw in when they're invited in. Oh, sure. Some, and a lot of times people do things they don't even know mm -hmm. they invited them in. And it can be as simple as alcoholism or drug abuse. My experience is it's usually um, they've dabbled in the occult. Right. But I have a lot of uh, single mothers that have reached out to me and their child is being attacked. Uh, and the child either has autism or Down syndrome. Those are rough cases, too. Yes, they are. Those They're are the ultimate hard. targets. So what, do you, what are your feelings? There's a belief now that in a term called complete integration, where the possession has gone on so long mm -hmm. and has gotten so severe and so strong that finally there comes a point where the person's soul has completely been pushed out and now the vessel is totally taken over by this invading unclean spirit and now that's all that remains and at that point there's no help and then you see all these people out there now that do some of the most um, horrendous things to other human beings without any disregard to themselves they know they're either going to spend the rest of their life in prison or get executed or get killed by the police while they're performing this act but they have they could care less in their behavior and they do some of the most uh, horrific things things that I haven't seen people do to one another in a long long time um, would you do you have a, an opinion or a, or a feeling in your travels on complete integration, being a hypnotist or your background as an investigator or, or any of that? Well, I would say I'm, I'm from both of those sources. I draw from firsthand experience. And I want to clarify this. This is not something I read in a book. I have experienced this and handled these situations. I'm going to tell you, Sean, about at least the very least... 80% of people that that happens to experience some type of childhood abuse, physical and or sexual, okay? A lot of times, maybe it wasn't once, it was systematic. By this, it was that it happened more than once. And maybe at the hands of the, who should have protected them or the other, or in other words, they did not get the protection from who you should get it from, which is your family members, your your parents, whoever's there, the adult. As a child, you don't have, a, where are you going to do, move and go where? <laughs> you know, you're, right, you're, yeah. you're um, 
And let me explain. This this trauma, a lot of people call it disassociation, but I, I found in my experience that this this is like a, a, a wound to the soul that allows sometimes some type of entity to come in through. Part of also what happens, especially as this child grows into adolescence, is nobody came to their rescue, including, I'm not going to always say, but sometimes even think God abandoned them. Okay. I, so I going. it yeah. almost magnifies and allow, you know, like, you know, when you're trying to open a plastic wrapper that you think if I can just get a little bit, I can tear it open. The events of what happened are that little tear. Okay. And then depending on the child's personality and what happens around them, if there was chaos, it, I mean, there's a lot of factors. It's not a one size fit all. It allows that entity to gain more of a foothold if you start raging against God because even God didn't come and rescue you. Okay, then that's where you start little by little. Like I said, I don't think this is not an overnight thing um, where then you start that melding where your that person's original identity starts going into the background. And usually from what I've seen is as a child when they get like this you become terrified you're terrified of because you don't know what the next day holds and sometimes this entity will kind of fool the child as it grows up taking over and being strong and protecting but it's not protecting really yeah. all i'm saying is let me in more let me in more okay and i think there's nothing worse for a human being than to have prolonged lengths of time being scared and by this i don't mean horror movie scared I'm talking about truly deeply scared of what's going to happen to you. And when this entity steps in and says, I'm going to help you, I'm going to protect you, I'll make you angry, nobody will mess with you, and I'll push that scaredness away, that scary feeling away, then that's when the person, like you said, the original personality steps back and lets this progress. And then, of course, Guess what? Um, angry is better be than being scared. Yeah. You know, let's face it. I mean, it's one of those things that pushes out the scared part, the anxiety that goes with it, and makes you angry and disturbed. And then that's when, like you said, people do horrific things that you're thinking, what is this? Where is this coming from? And then, of course, and then if you throw in there, if they start dabbling in dark occult, you know, things any type mm -hmm. of necromancy. Uh, I mean, it just blossoms. It blossoms from there. And then, again, depending on what happens with this person. Uh, and, and another thing I have found also, Sean, is that usually when this happens in childhood, when they go into adolescence, for some reason, and there's, uh, there's no magic formula. I can't quantify this in a lab and say, oh, this is how it happens. Yeah. It, they attract being victimized or horrible things happening around them or getting hooked up with the wrong people. It's like, okay, let's really add fuel to this fire. Okay. Whatever it might be. And then before you know it, there's that surrender where the original person that was there is kind of like very small. And what's taken over is that non-human entity disguised as a human being. And then, of course, the purpose of it, and you could say, well, what's the purpose of it? Well, guess what? It will do what all these entities want. 
which is to hew, cause human tragedy to see human beings in agony and tormented. Why? Because when they kill families, when they do horrific things, um, the wounds they cause, it's like a ripple effect to other human beings around it. And like you said, well, some of them don't care. They're going to go to for life sentences or they might be face excommunication. It doesn't matter to them because you're, there's no fear of consequences if you're talking in inhuman soul that's really there. Well, it's not even a soul or an inhuman entity. Okay, so it's like, okay, so this guy's going to spend the rest of his days rotting in jail. But in the meantime, we're going, it's a scorched earth mentality. And then, then you see what, the, you know, it's called sociopaths and psychopaths, where there is no remorse. Uh, there is no empathy whatsoever for any of the human beings around you. And by the way, I want to throw in my thing. You know, I want to say that part to blame is Hollywood. And you remember when that the series Dexter came out, which he was yeah. a psychopath slash sociopath, and they kind of romanticized him and made him a bad guy but not that bad because he was killing only the bad people the other psychopaths yeah and i was that's i'm sorry but that's bs when you're yeah. a psychopath you or a sociopath or whatever you kill everything and everybody you don't there's no loyalty there's no loved ones there's no i'm gonna spare you but i'm gonna get that one that's like that was just hollywood land making it up too <laughs> they, yeah they, it they reminds really, me they, of uh hannibal you know he was so in love with clarice Oh, yeah. He was going to cut off his own hand and not hurt her, but kill everyone around her. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, someone like that would have already killed her <laughs> and eaten her. Well, if you look at and you know, that's a great example, Sean. When you look at the movie, it makes you think, okay, he only got the ones that deserved it. The two cops who were there kind of like giving him grief. That doctor who had been uh, messing with him when he was in that, you know, in that, you know, hospital slash cell, whatever he was in. You know, at the end, that's who he goes after. Like, yeah. the, the people that deserved it. And that's like, that's they don't care about who deserves it or not. They'll kill whoever is in their way or that they have the opportunity of killing, which is why, you know, you, when you see a lot of these serial killers and unfortunately they go after the pe people with a risky lo uh, lifestyle, they're, they're soft targets like either prostitutes or drug addicts, just because they're easy, because the opportunity's there. But they don't. They don't care if you deserve it or not, or if you're a good person or not. And if you get some of them who are a little, um, depending on how intelligent they are, I want to say as well, uh, they even get more delight in going after, or they work themselves up to in after going targets that are like, I want to say the innocent person in the sense of the soccer mom or the child or whatever, because they're, they're moving up the food chain when it comes to the type of victims that they go after. And a lot of people, uh, and by this, I don't, I, I don't mean to excuse it at all, at all. But a lot of, uh, a lot of these people, I want to say, do have some type of attachment, deep, very deep-seated, that they've probably had from childhood. And that's why you see a lot of these uh, serial killers or people that do these horrific things where when you look in their background in their childhood, they had some pretty dark things happen to them. And no help came, by the way. I'm not saying it's a done deal, but if you don't get any help to soothe that wound, that's when you run into a lot of problems on the metaphysical plane. And a lot of it, I know everybody looks at the psychopathology or is this, you know, is this person uh, got some type of, are they schizophrenic or, 
you know, uh, all these different types of clinical terms, you know, that you, that you look, see in the DSM. But there's a metaphysical, and, and, and I guarantee you, anybody that's dealt any type of doctor, whether it's a psychiatrist or a psychologist, even a counselor, they might not say it on the record, but off the record, they will tell you stories about certain patients that they've had that they are, they have doubts about. In other words, they believe that there is some type yeah. of spiritual influence going on with them, but they won't say it out loud. Yeah. You know, like yeah, in other you, words, you I tried, I, they here, know that so there's something that there. Was, that was where I was taking you next. This is weird. Um, that's exactly where I was going to take you next. Yeah. We're on some kind of little psychic, yeah. <laughs> uh, psychic thing here because I'm, I'm a, a member of that club that many people that are locked away because of incurable psychological yes. uh, disorders, I believe more than we would like to um, imagine are actually possessed. Yes. And now that they're in there, they're just being drugged out of their minds and not getting any help. And yeah, I think you would be astonished at the horror stories you would hear from some of these doctors off the record, mm -hmm. um, yes. which is crazy. Uh, just it blows me away. And, you know, it's just, it's just a never ending vicious circle. I mean, if you have a father, that's a sick individual who has been molesting his children all their mm -hmm. lives, uh, you know. He could be possessed. Yes, absolutely. So now they're all in. It's a, just a vicious circle. It's all, yes. they're all in cahoots together. Um, mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, and I commented on it. Um, it's a you're you're it's long term. The the plans that these things have, it, it's not overnight plans. They're they've got all the time in the world. They have an exactly. affinity. So these are long term plans and. Um, and they, they, you know, they, they're very, one thing they are is patient. Oh, sure. But um, something that kills me right now is I, I hate to admit that I'm having to pass over more cases than I would like to. And every time I do, I sit and look in the mirror and accuse myself of uh, being in the wrong biz that I don't have any business doing what I'm doing or I wouldn't be passing over these cases. I'd find a way to help, but it's hard. Sometimes you have to know when to say when, and like these people are already in the raging waters, dog paddling for their lives and they can't swim and you jump in and you tell them, relax, I'll grab a hold of you and I'll get us to shore. Mm -hmm. But all they want to do is beat and pound on you and grab a hold of your head and push you under the water Yes. So they don't drown, but then you both end up drowning. And it's as simple as uh, my my approach is is a religious approach. And so many people reach out to me and they say they're at rock bottom mm -hmm. and they say they, they know what they're up against and they need help of, a, of divine intervention. And as soon as I start telling them what they need to do, they're not on board with any of it. Well, no, I don't believe in God. And <laughs> I don't want to learn any prayers. I don't want to go get baptized. Um, I don't want to put any crosses on my walls and have my home exercise. I just need a problem with this, the help with this issue. So that's when I know um, there's, you know, you can talk to them until you're blue in the face if they're not 100% ready and willing to, you know, they called you for help. So if they're not ready and willing to do whatever it is you're asking them to do and 
I have to I have to pass. And that kills me when I have to do that. Does that happen to you at all? Well, and let me give you an example. Uh, when I was doing the hypnosis work, I had, um, sometimes I would pre-screen them. I was able to catch them when I would pre-screen them on conversations before they came into the appointment. And other times it was when they were seated there. And you had a lot of people that had problems and they thought that the hypnosis was like a magic pill. She's going to hypnotize me once and all my problems are going to go away. And I, I kind of suspected that in a lot of cases they had attachments, but they also had other problems. And I told them, you know what, I cannot just, if you go and sign up with a therapist, I will be more than happy to work as an adjunct with your mental health professional to hypnotize you for relaxation. And then it's an ongoing process. In other words, they wanted to go in there, have me hypnotize them in some cases. And that's the end of it. They didn't want to do the work. Okay. That's on the, on the hyp hypnosis side. You know, it was like, I know there's a lot going on, but if you're thinking this is going to be a one-shot deal, it's not. And then when it comes also to investigations, same thing. I would tell people, you know, even if we do an investigation, let's say like what happened when I told you about that young lady that, you know, we did the blessing and everything and I spoke to her mom and this, you know, you have to keep on carrying this load as far as you need to whatever your spiritual beliefs you need to keep doing that you need to keep working it you need to bring light and light into your house you need to be happy you need to go outside which by the way this is one of the the, the giveaways when things are really getting bad is people will isolate themselves and or their families i said get out of the house leave the computer alone uh play happy music i want you to look at comedies you need to, this is not like, oh, it's over. Okay, we don't have to worry about this anymore. It's not a question of worry because worry's not good either. Because basically what that does is feel the problem. But you have to remember that this is an ongoing thing, okay, that you have to work at getting everybody through there. And, and like a maintenance plan, is, I think, is what I'm talking about. That's even more important than the original help. Yes, of course it is. But a lot of people don't see that, Sean. They think that, let's say, for example, if you go in there and you do this and you got whatever's out that that's it. Okay. Well, he did all the hard lifting and good. <laughs> it's yeah. like, take your responsibility for yourself. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier. People wanting other people like you or me to take responsibility for everything, do the heavy lifting and it's off their shoulders. And that's not the way it works. And things get, and when things do, when they don't have a contingency plan afterwards and continue doing the things that you've asked them, to do yes. after you know the initial uh, problem is um, solved, it comes back so much stronger. Oh sure, and, sure. Uh, they yeah. gotta, I, I hate to say it, but you, in a way, you're kind of especially when you're fresh out of it, you, you're a little bit earmarked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you don't absolutely. It's like it's it's not it's the truth. It's it's not a pleasant truth, but it's the truth. Oh, yeah, it it kills me to have to do that, though. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then they get so upset. And people also get upset if at the question, um, I say, listen, one of the first things I'm going to do, it's almost going to seem like, you know, I'm trying to be your priest and I'm asking for a confession, but mm -hmm. I'm going to send you this intake form or we can do it verbally. Right. And it's going to seem like it's confession. But I need to really, you know, you're going to have to be totally open and honest with me about what's going on. And then when I do get to that question about under a doctor's care, 
what are you calling me crazy? Some of them get so, <laughs> yeah. so mad yeah. uh, at that question. It's, uh, but there's no, there's no soft way around it. You got to know. Yeah. Or are you, are you a religious person? Uh, you know, duh, of course I am. That's why I called you. Right. And you go, well, I think you should go to your church and exactly. see if you can get help there. Then they scream at you. I already did, damn it. And nobody there will help me. That's why I'm calling you. Are you going to send me somewhere else? They're already mad. You're like, you know, we're getting off to a bad start here. I don't want to upset you. I mean, I, I understand right. you're in a very upsetting situation right now. Let's let's meet for a cup of coffee or um, a donut somewhere or even at the park so we can get some sun and fresh air and talk a little bit. Uh, this phone's so impersonal, but uh, oh man. Well, you know, so it, much ugliness. But and and as far as that suggestion that you made to them like go to church and they'll say but why they turned me away. And I've run across that myself. And I say it's better to go there. Even if you're not in agreement, just go there and be there and pray because you're in a holy place. And I'm not talking, this is despite any denomination. Just hang out yeah. there for a little bit. Tell you what we're going to do real quick. We're going to go to the last break. This is a short three-minute one, guys, and the last segment's coming up. My God, time is flying. I'm with the wonderful Marlene Pardo. So we will be right back, brothers and sisters, after these last messages. Have you had a supernatural encounter? Keep away! The sour is mine! Are you a spiritual warrior? We habitat in protection of this mission. Or do you have questions or comments for the host or guests? Hey, wait a minute. Check this out. Well, what are you waiting for? Call the KCOR Digital Radio Network hotline number at 702-425-9230. Tweet your comments anytime to KCOR Radio using hashtag KCOR. Join the conversation live and share your thoughts on the show in our live chat room at www.kcrradio.com. Oh man, I can't believe I'm hearing this. And now back to KCOR's own ordained spiritual warfare minister and the host of Vegas Supernatural, Vegas Supernatural, Supernatural, Supernatural. Reverend Sean Whittington. Sean Whittington. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Last segment, time is flying. Marlene, I love you. I'm going to add you to the prayer list. And I've I told love you, you this too. before. I think you're great, and and you're you know we need more people like you in the paranormal community. It's just I'm no drama. We're all open mm -hmm. books, and there's no exactly. drama, and we're all a, and it's just unfortunately it's not like that. Maybe it'll get back to that, but. You know, we all at times get in over our head. Mm -hmm. um, we don't, you know, sometimes we don't realize it till it's almost too late. When that happens to you, what, if I put your feet to the fire and said, you know, you got you to gotta give me a, a definite uh, answer to this, what scares you? I think it's what the fear that anybody who's ever had this ex has come up against these type of entities okay and i'll be honest with you when it comes to ghost investigations uh even my my kids when they were teenagers they go you know mom everybody goes there's a ghost mom would run to it everybody's running away my mom's going look look you know <laughs> <laughs> look, look yeah. what is that 
I'm not going to tell you I have those starts because let's face it, when you come across something that's very unusual, you kind of like, oh, God. I'm talking here about more when you're talking non-human intelligent entities, okay? Um, I think the fear is that you think this, the same way like we talked about that you can get earmarked because they've had you before and they might want to wiggle back in there. Yeah. You kind of get a bullseye on you when you work in this field and you're effective and you can pull somebody away from their clutches. And I said, oh, that sounds very dramatic. But basically, that's what it is. And how do you do that? You start giving people hope. When people fall into apathy and hopelessness, which, aka depression, that's when people do horrific things. Or when, and you, and you realize, you know, they see you as the enemy as well. That person to them is their thing, you know, but you're the enemy. And depending on the type of lifestyle that you have outside of that, um, they will try to mess with you. And I'm trying to make it low key. And I think that that's what scares a lot of people. Uh, And I'm going to say something out here for us older people. I'm not scared of being corrupted because I'm not going to get corrupted (laughs) at my age. You know what I'm saying? It's like, ah, forget it. You know what? I know pretty much what my edges are, but again, uh, you, and whether they're interdimensional, intradimensionals, because that's a big question mark. I, I've had experiences where they're aware of you the same way you're aware of them. And I, it's, I'm going to use an example, Sean, out of a fictional books called, uh, they're authored by Dean Koontz. It's called the Odd Thomas series. And in it, he has something with, are called bodaks, which by the way, is an old Celtic word. And basically they're dark shadow beings, non-human of course, which, you know, they, when bad things are going to go south, they're around. But anyway, the main, the main character, Odd Thomas, realizes he can see them, but he makes sure that they never are aware that he can see them because if they ever became aware that he could see them, they would go after him. And mm. this is along the same lines, which it doesn't work because if you're addressing this being, absolutely they know that you're aware or that you kind of suspect that they're there. And in other words, if you're going to do this work, you can't go and do risk, be, be, how can I say it, be involved in a risky lifestyle and do this work because it's going to bite you in the ass pardon yeah. me but but i'm going to say it that way by this i don't mean absolutely that hey i'm in my church 24 absolutely i'm not talking about that no 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 no. we're human beings and this is our plane we are where we're supposed to be that's one thing we have dominion over with lane we're human beings that's why we're incarnated in a human body but that they could do things to to try to find a weakness or a way to get to you, yes. And you always keep that in the back of your mind. And Sean, I think this goes to what you were saying about that sometimes you pass over certain cases. I think anybody that works with this knows that there's you need a time down between cases. Even priests who, let's say, I'm going to say, you know how everybody, you know, things of the rites of exorcism as far as, Catholic priest, even they, they sometimes have a hard time recruiting priests to work exorcisms because it's 
not even physically, psychologically, it can be very, very draining. Okay. It can yeah. be very draining. And by the way, I'm not talking about the stuff that you see in the movies where the people, you know, like the exorcist, you know, pea soup and the contortions. I'm talking about the corruption of your soul and how they tried to get to you that way. And it's a psychological, I don't want to say torture. That's not the right word. It's a, it's almost like that's how they get to you. And you will have people say that they'll, you know, they might start having very horrific nightmares. Uh, it, it's just a, a, a feeling that they try to get to you. And if you are doing alcohol abuse or addictions or just doing stuff that is making you vulnerable, you're going to give them an in to get you out of the way. How's that? That's what I'm saying. Absolutely, I understand yeah. what you say. I got to I got to pass over some cases. And I think that happens to anybody that works with this and I, I'm going to not everybody really has known what you what is true evil and this is true evil. Um and I not everybody has really encountered this and seen it for what it is and it's there's nothing there I, I've stared a couple of human beings in the eye and it's like whoa okay I'm not going to tell you I was scared I was scared I was absolutely scared and that's a very human response but it's so much darker and more malevolent than anything anything that's portrayed in Hollywood much more insidious yeah. much more destructive um, that I'm telling you, I think that if a lot of people understood that better, there would be so much less people s playing around with dark and occult subjects. Because if, especially depending yeah. if, if they're more vulnerable, I mean that's that's a whole different thing. But it's it's very scary. Much more than I say than the theatrics. I want to use that word than the theatrics of what we see of people contorting and the voices and this and that. And I've seen that. It is something that says. I, you're my enemy and I hate you. I profoundly hate you. And given half a chance, I'm going to try to unravel your life. And that's still, and even that is putting it mildly. Mm -hmm. Yes. You almost can't, it's almost off the scale. It's, it's, it's almost unimaginable, uh, the, the hatred. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't think, things. I, 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 just... I don't, because you know how humans will say, well, I hate you. And, you know, you always people a lot of times when you use that word hate, they base it on that context. When the person doesn't really like you, they hate you. But I don't think they understand what hatred from a non-human entity is. And it's like the purest form of hate that, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think human beings are capable of. No, it's beyond that. Yeah, it's beyond that. It's beyond that. <laughs> It's way, yeah. It's just, it, you can't even put it in words. Yes. Um, yeah. And and that, that, you asked me what I would be scared of is that. And, um, but, and I want to say that this type of. And they're venge, they're very, they're very, they're very vengeful. Yes. And they, and they, and they, and they, they try to play a psych game with you. Yeah, and it may be 25 years before they catch you with your pants down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if they do, yes. <laughs> I laugh because, uh, uh, yeah. And it's, 
And by this, again, most people, th like what you said, well, you expect me to go to church or whatever. And it's like, I'm not talking about walking around like a pious, like, oh, you know, no, none of that. Because we are meant as human beings to be live, to engage in life. And life is messy. And you get tempted. And we, sometimes we do the wrong things and we make mistakes. That is the way we are supposed to live life. And then you pick yourself up and you think, man, I, sh I better not do that again. <laughs> We're supposed to live life like that. We're not supposed to be like a hermit, you know, like protecting ourselves totally from interactions with other human beings. But there's a part of that you, I want to say, you have to have a love of life and hope and a sense of self-preservation, okay, that pulls you back from the edge of doing stupid stuff. Uh, and usually that keeps you intact because when you love life when you love yourself and of course those around you it's very difficult for these things to get a foothold even when you have bad things sometimes happen to all human beings which it does it's inevitable it's a human condition they cannot get a foothold they just can't they can't isolate you they can't how can i say it um they can't having you lose touch with that there are good things in life and that there's because the more they can do that to you, the more they have you in their grip. And then it's a downward spiral from there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you said that thing earlier that you were saying about people going to church, people don't realize, even if that church turned you away, you go sit there for 15 minutes. You're in a holy place. People pray. Yeah, maybe there's people that there that, but in and of itself, it's almost like pretend. You're in a, it's like almost like putting in a little bit of light you know, into your life little by little. If you keep that on a continuous basis, okay, and you go there and you pray a little bit and maybe you talk to God or thin air, whatever your problem, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. it's going on with you at that moment. And you'd be surprised how this starts pushing out the darkness out of your life. Um, especially depending if it's at the very beginning, maybe when certain things go wrong in people's lives, which is when they, they can very easily fall prey to stuff like this yep. and um, and I, I'm a big believer Sean don't get me wrong I think absolutely there are times when you need to call in for help whether it's a paranormal team or in your case somebody that works with uh, demonic infestations but I'm also a big believer in you need people need to become empowered to do their own thing to take care of themselves and where they live at etc etc I mean there's depends on what's going on with you but we do have the power i think a lot of people give up their power very easily they abdicate it. and of course that's like come on in yeah i'm really scared now it's like no nope i, I tell everybody you know let's say we will use the haunted house scenario if you had a stranger walk into your house and say i'm here if you had ownership of that place you say you'd point them out and just get out of here right now well, this is what you're going yeah. to do. <laughs> Hello. This is your house. This is your living space. You're a human being with a live body. You're a spirit. Get out. And not that they're always going to do it, but that's the beginning of yeah. self-empowerment. And uh, I don't know if you've run across that where by the time they get to you, people are like totally cowed. They're like, they have given up all resistance to whatever is going on in their lives or whatever this thing is that's doing it to them. And um, and they're being the victim. They're, they they've and I have a whole theory about that where people sometimes they they're in a victim cycle and they they call in 
entities that will victimize them. That that can be very dark and destructive type of haunting, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't even go out anymore. A true story. I During football season, Sharon and I go out, watch the game once a week with some friends. I try to be as little priestly-like as possible when I'm there, and I'm there for three hours, and I'm home. Mm-hmm. But we don't go out unless it's to work a case or to go to work. Yeah. Um, because I find that I'm only comfortable now around people that do what I do because nobody else seems to understand me anymore. And the people that have known me for a long time still love me, but they now they kind of, you know, they, you know, they, they see the change and they're so not into it. Right. That they've, they've distanced themselves. They're still there for me if I ever reach out to them, but it's, uh, to do this work, there's a, a certain amount of, uh, reclusiveness to it also that uh, yes. one has to be uh, willing to uh, uh, to assume but you know before I forget I know any moment now I'm going to get the uh, the light that we're getting close to uh, wrapping up here I have to mention I, I joked about all the hats you wear but I want people to know how to reach out to you so I'm going to go down the list here we have Marlene Pardo one word dot com you also have a Facebook page, Marlene Pardo. Yes, I do. There's MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You also have a Facebook page, Miami Ghost Chronicles. You're all over YouTube. You, you practically own it. I wish. Um, <laughs> you have Nightshades, NightshadeDiary.com. So what am I missing here? You've got a books out that people love. Right. Real quick before we get told that we're done, tell people where they can get your books, what you would most like them to uh, experience about you on some of the things I've I've mentioned. What's your proudest of? Well, um I well, number one, let, let me go to your first question. Of course, all the ones that you mentioned, uh, they can get the books at my site or on Amazon. I do have a new book coming out now in December, which is called Supernatural Safety. And it's, I want to say, it, the, 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 it's a DIY for things that people can do. And like I say, there's going to be parts in there where I do, I, I go through different types of things that people can run into. And also I do mention the parts where, where this is not a DIY. <laughs> this is not a DIY situation. Mm. But like I said, this is about empowering and learning and understanding and it's an ongoing process because, like you mentioned, Sean, you do have very destructive influences all around us. And by this, I'm going to say it's not just strictly the, the occult stuff. Sometimes the occult stuff sometimes comes a little bit disguised, just in a weird way. And it influences certain people and others it doesn't, whatever. But that's the new book that I've got coming out. And again, that's on my website or on Amazon. It won't be available till December. Um, and as far as, well, proud, I want to say that of my family, my children, that's always been the proudest thing that I can think of my children, uh, and my family. But as personally, it's the getting, by the way, I always consider myself the student. I will always be the student till I die, but you do get some satisfaction when you start learning more about yourself you know to that to thine own self be true 
you start mm-hmm. learning better what your true self is. And by the way, this has nothing to do with being perfect. I'm a big believer in the imperfection, the, the perfection of imperfection. In other words, yeah. it's like who you are, acceptance. How's that? Acceptance yeah. of what we are. Um, and then just going along for the ride. I mean, there's just always, you never know what's around the bend. Good things, bad things, in between things. And trying to make everyday meaningful. And I'm going to bring that out because I'm sure you're aware of it, Sean. Even you said it. Uh, nowadays, life is very fast-paced. And people kind of miss what's going on around them. Days, weeks, months fly by. And people miss it or they kind of like are always thinking oh when I get that car when I get that girlfriend or when I get that job then I'll be happier then what is everything is going to start up and it's not it's every day every day is special every day is a special day Uh, even if you stay home even if you're not out there doing something that's going to get you the spotlight uh, and uh, in other words, I'm going to say this. I think there's a big fear of being ordinary. And it's a good thing to realize I'm ordinary and I'm happy about it. Thank you. Nothing yeah. wrong with being ordinary. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And I, I and you you said it perfectly. I am. I just am so I, I'm most comfortable just chilling at the house. You know, I've. Yeah. Uh, Sharon only has one day off a week. So uh, and. You know, it's it's Sunday, so we spend Sunday together, and I've got my two circus bears here, and they take up a lot of my time. They're very needy, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just – I'm always, you know, either talking to somebody on the phone, working a case, or preparing for the radio show, or yeah. uh, what have you. Who knows? But, yeah, I'm just happy doing that. And when I, and when I go out, uh, it's uh, – it just uh, it's just weird to, uh, to not I, I just would rather be around like-minded people sure. i used to not be that way but now i realize you almost have to be uh, it's, sure enough somebody will ask me what you do and i'll go down the list it's not long you know i work at an animal hospital uh, i'm an ordained minister oh you are uh well, what do you do well I'm a, <laughs> I'm a deliverance minister what's that i'm an exorcist Oh, I know they're they're like, well, some say, well, tell me about that. You lose them halfway in the conversation because they're freaked out now or they're already freaked out that she said that. And now they're at the other end of the restaurant. Uh, They don't want to talk. So and so it is what it is. But I'm being told that we have just uh, a few minutes left. So once again, I don't want to um, end the show without you knowing that I love you, that I pray for you, that I'm going to have you back on again. You ever want to reach out to me anytime? Oh, absolutely, uh, yes. somebody, somebody cancels on you at the last second on your show, and they, they don't because your show's so popular. No, you can I'm reach not, out not, to I'm me. Not, I, I, my plans are I'm not going to use you to save the day. I, 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 it would be my pleasure <laughs> to have you, Sean, back on because we have so many interesting things to talk about. Yeah, you know what's funny? Yeah, Tina would be proud of me. I have this. I have a list here. I had about 25 questions of things that I was going to talk to you about, and that's about three pages less from when I used to – started this show over three years ago. I would be overprepared, but I've only got to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Well, I got to 10 questions. Okay. That wasn't bad, but no. – So there's 15 I didn't get to. So, yeah, I'm going to save them. They're going to go in your file. Okay. And um, – 
we'll just pick right up where we left off. And you know, I know how to reach you. You yes. know how to reach me. Uh, if I need to pick your brain on something or Absolutely. vice versa. You know that I'm, I'm always Listen. accessible. All I'm busy here is looking after my animals and my chickens because, you know, i got my chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the experience I had with chickens was the people next door were raising them when Sharon and I moved out of that house and her German shepherd accidentally got past us because the, one of the movers left the door open oh. and ran out and sh- killed, like, a bunch of them. And I, you know, she still feels bad to this day because they just grabbed the dog, threw it in the truck, and they drove off. They yeah. didn't want to have to get in to go and knock on the neighbor's door yeah. and go, I'm sorry, but our dog just killed all your chickens. Yeah, they will. My, I got my dogs trained, but I, I, one time I was babysitting my son's husky, and it kind of did something along the – no, that and a bully dog, yeah. And it, it's the nature of the animal, but yeah, what can I say? Well, brothers and sisters, this was – a very special evening. My special guest was Marlene Pardo, um, Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. Catch that show. Follow her. I love her. I knew you guys would love her too. This is The Rev. This has been Vegas Supernatural, and I will talk at you guys all again next week. Have a great week, everybody. Stay blessed. Good night. So did you guys like it? You know, there's going to be another version of this, which is going to be the the one that that I recorded with Sean, you know, that's going to be published on Vegas Supernatural. And I'm hoping that this is, the audio is good on this because my, my system was kind of acting like, eh? But anyway, guys, um, I've released the interview that I did with Sean. And even, I haven't released it on YouTube, but I have released it on the podcasts. And I urge you to listen to it because... Uh, Sean is a, <clears throat> is a very down-to-earth person, despite him being a deliverance minister. And I, a lot of people have a problem that they think that somebody that comes in as a deliverance minister is strictly uh, holier than thou or very self-righteous or, you know, very like, uh, I'm right and you're wrong, what did you do, blah, 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 blah. And he's not like that, on the contrary. He's he is the way you hear him he that this is the way this person really is and and he the first one to admit that he he did stuff that he now he realizes as an adult and when he was young as a teenager he ran around with the wrong people got into drugs a lot of things and that he was one of these people that was able to pull himself out of that and stay out of it and uh i think a lot of it goes to, which, by the way, has to do with uh, the 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 reference I made to the the book that's coming out now in December that I'm writing, Supernatural Safety. Which, once you go through something like this, okay, uh, a lot of it falls on, or if you want to avoid it, if you're not then that, that this is not something you do because oh I, I I had a severe haunting or an attachment and oh I'm talking about it. It has to do a lot. And I know this is going to sound very like who you hang out with, who you surround yourself with. It, it, it is just something on a metaphysical plane that happens. Because a lot of people, you know, see it as like, oh, yeah, my mom told me, be careful who you hang out with well, because you're going to get in trouble. Absolutely. Yes, that, that, that's, that's going to happen no matter what. You hang out with certain people and you're going to get, you know, you're going to get in trouble with the police or something's going to happen. Drama's going to happen. That's the obvious part. Okay, 
the other part I'm talking about, besides that obvious part, is what happens to you on a metaphysical plane. When you start hanging out with certain people that are troubled, that get into things, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, on a metaphysical plane, they are already influenced or are drawing in very dark metaphysical stuff because it's almost like a cauldron. It's like it swirls and it pulls in, okay? And then if you think that if this person has something, a dark attachment or stuff that's going on, family curse, I mean, it could be a whole host of things. If you don't think that that stuff starts bleeding over onto the people in that group, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Okay. And besides the obvious of like, hey man, I don't need the headache of either getting arrested or uh, just stuff that happens, the drama that's that, that kind of swirls. If Besides that, let me tell you something. You save yourself a lot of headaches because of, I've heard of people that they've been kind of hang out with the wrong crowd and sometimes not by choice. Just things happen, they move away. And somehow or other, that darkness attached to them. Stayed with that person, by the way. They, they, they kind of like do like the amoeba stuff. Like they partition, that part stays, but they kind of jump over here. Maybe not as severely. Okay, but it bleeds onto you, onto your, into how you work. And I'm, I've said this before, I want to say it again. A lot of this is not what you see. Like when you see these movies, Paranormal Activity, Exorcist, all these other, you know, the ones that got you gripping the seat when you're in the theater. I'm talking about this much more subtle, much more lengthy in time, but just as destructive, okay? That kind of like starts to, like if you think of an ink blot or an ink spot spreading into your life, okay? And by this I mean people make mistakes. You do the wrong things. You, you did something. Your judgments off. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking where things start shifting around. You either hook up with the wrong people again. Um, sometimes paranormal phenomena starts happening around you. Uh, you know how they say sometimes when you're in the right track, doors open up for you, right place, right time. Well, this is the opposite of that. You're never at the wrong place. You missed the call. You meet the wrong person. You don't catch a break. Things don't move forward for you. You go into areas of what I call stagnation, which is, man, I'm not going forward. Why am I not going forward? I'm trying so hard. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And what this thing is trying to do, this influence, is make you break down and give up. Go into apathy, go into hopelessness and say, ah, and then depression and then isolation. Uh that you lose touch with the happiness of being alive until you're not supposed to be alive, which is, you know, not everybody's guaranteed to die in old age, but, and I want to say that th this is the way it works. This is the way it works. And sometimes it takes years for this to play out. And then you'll have people say, well, what's the point of origin? When did this really take a real ugly turn? Oh, it was after I started hanging out with these people. Yeah, and even though I moved away or or they, or they went to jail or well, whatever, it doesn't have to be that or something. And after that is, I noticed, man, I couldn't catch a break even if my life depended on it. And then that happened and that ha led to Latin.
and then before you know it but the truth is a lot of people don't want to look at it that way and one of the things I'm going to say again and I don't want to sound too preachy because I'm not preachy I'm not a preachy person is that yeah you do have a responsibility to yourself and if you're a parent because your children depend on you and the choices you make is to be how can I say it I'm going to two things in other words if I'm if I feel depressed or I feel in a funk for God's sake don't watch a dark movie watch a comedy put on some music throw open your windows or whatever throw all the drapes aside go out to the park you might have to force yourself you might not want to it's like uh do it pretend go out if you've got a yard go out to your yard if you've got a park go out there sit out there go outside just it it's almost something that we need to do on a daily basis because a lot of people think oh what difference it'll make i'm just gonna sit here and i'm gonna you know feel unhappy and dark and you know i'm just gonna put my kids and not talk to them and send them to their room and no don't do that don't do that uh and again the same thing if you've got a church nearby and you don't even sometimes it can even be a non-denominational church or whatever you know when i what i mean by that is a holy place that people go with their prayers okay and yes you're going to get different people in there and a lot of people say oh sometimes but overall the influence of it is that you can just go in there and just hang out if you want to pray pray if you just want to maybe sort things out in your head do it and i want to call it therapy on a metaphysical plane okay because this is basically what people go to therapists for okay a therapist is not supposed to give you your answers a therapist is supposed to listen to you without passing judgment and help you find the answers you have all along yeah okay you are not going to a therapist to have this person tell you this is what you need to do this is how you're going to do it and um by the way the the you know stop seeing this person or do that no and and my point being at the end of this is that you have all the answers inside of you you do and sometimes we kind of lose sight of that because you stop believing in yourself um maybe because you've made bad calls in the past and you just don't trust yourself anymore and sometimes going to a holy place okay and sitting there and sorting it out and thinking about it sometimes that's very helpful because you know what nine times out of ten if you've got something dark following you around they're not going to go in there and this is how you start that process that super elastic bubble plastic of detaching it from you it's like uh, 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 uh. it's not going to happen overnight it's not but you know eventually when you stretch something out the point that el the el elasticity wears out it will break and this is what you want and this is how you do it and you do it on an ongoing basis every other day day you know um 
and sometimes it might feel like I'm not getting anywhere nothing's happening and I think a lot of it has to do with sometimes we're tied into instant gratification thing which is wow um, why isn't anything happening <laughs> sometimes things happen underneath the surface that we don't see right away okay and sometimes and this is really important stop thinking of how this is going to happen because sometimes when you ask for help when you put it out there when you're trying to figure it out sometimes help or the solution comes in the way you could never have imagined never have imagined it okay and you have to go back and you have to work on it every day and like I said I've talked to enough people who weeks and months and sometimes years afterwards have told me you know what when it was ongoing at the beginning I didn't think nothing was happening I thought what a waste of time shit I feel stupid and then they tell me but looking back in hindsight I realized that this is where things started to change very subtly why either I met the right person I got a different job I got a promotion somebody that was tormenting me at work got moved away uh, the neighbor I had that was giving me grief left all of a sudden one day from the next they moved um, uh, things that things that hadn't come through for me started coming through for me little by little uh, my kids started it, it, it's again I, everybody's different because everybody's situation is different and I guess that's what I'm trying to say they don't think it's gonna be a clap of thunder and hey shit everything's taken care of it's not it's not and it's just something that you're gonna have to work into part of your daily routine and by this I'm not saying a to-do list okay but a self-awareness that every day is important and that even though you might not have a physical result that you can say hey it worked look I a lot of things sometimes happens on a metaphysical level underneath that will eventually bring it to manifest in our plane because this is the plane we live in by the way you know the metaphysical is like underneath or above or around or whatever interdimensionally I don't got the answer to that but it takes to have it manifest in our plane which is where you know it can affect you hopefully positively takes a little bit of a while so sometimes you might think nothing's happening but it is it is happening and you know and the key to our hearts everybody's different that's why I say you know whatever your spiritual or religious beliefs in I'm not saying this is the one that works and if you don't do it this way no everybody's different and the only one that knows your heart is you the only person that's in your skin is you okay that's why I'm saying that one size fit all of spirituality or religion doesn't always work if it works for you up to a certain point great but that's why I'm saying I don't include or exclude anything because we're all individuals and um, I think like I said acceptance and forgiveness letting ourselves off the hook for mistakes we make and try hope to do better realizing we're not perfect people and I don't think we're meant to be perfect people and trying to do our best and for ordinary 
you know, because we're all caught up with being celebrities. Uh, that's that's fine. And I've said it before, believe it or not, historically, ordinary people are the av- happiest people. Average people are the happiest people. The people that, when I say or- ordinary average, yeah, that you strive in maybe certain areas of your life because you would, whatever. But overall, you're an average person. You're Nine times out of ten, you have a better chance of being happy than some of the outliers. People are extraordinarily intelligent sometimes or celebrities. Let me tell you something. There's no guarantee of happiness. As a matter of fact, a lot of times it's not. It is not. And I'll probably do a show about that. So anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this show. Like I said, I'm going to get the whole show from, from Sean. And I'm hoping to bring him back on. And we'll discuss some more things uh, as far as what goes when when hauntings become very dark. And it can but usually there's a lot of signs along the way that I'll tell you, back up, back up. This is not good. So anyway, guys, for me, I know that you might get to staggered. I just, it was a great Thanksgiving. I hope, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving with a full intent of what that means, giving thanks for what you've got. Um, and thank you for being part of my audience and coming back every week to spend this time with me. Take care.